Welcome to the State of the Second Podcast. Today we have Print Shoot Repeat with us. How are you today, my friend? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. So, for those who may not know who you are, you're a pretty big deal. No. <laughs> Give us a little bit of your backstory. Oh, well, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks again for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. It's great to be here at SHOT Show. I... Um, also known as PSR for short. That's what my YouTube channel is, Print Shoot Repeat. I have been doing this YouTube thing for about three years now, and I primarily focus on 3D printed guns. That's what I do. So I um, do reviews of primarily 3D printed guns. I've done a lot more, though, in the recent, you know, since YouTube kind of uh, decided to crack down on me a little bit. Um, Unfortunately... You know, it's hard to tell what YouTube likes and doesn't like. We can get more into that. But um, I just do all sorts of gun reviews, but I try to keep it lighthearted and fun. I do a lot of music videos related to gun stuff. And um, yeah, just try to, in general, keep it lighthearted and have fun on my YouTube channel. Yeah. What uh, made you get into the 3B printed gun game? Wow. Well, that uh, that goes back to basically uh, right around the pandemic. And um, like a lot of uh, people that are gun owners now, I really wasn't a very avid like gun enthusiast before the pandemic. I had a shotgun. I had uh, basically like what Joe Biden wants every American to have. I had like a 28-inch barrel shotgun that was uh, a Remington 87, 870. And uh, so it was like a skeet shooting shotgun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Double barrel shotgun. All you need is, you know, two shots in the air. Let them know and it'll, it'll, it'll go right away. So, uh, yeah. So I had one of those. And... Um, I loved going to the range with friends that had like, you know, more tactical stuff, but I never had any myself. And so during the pandemic, I actually had a situation where I had a really, uh, a neighbor who was going through a a, a pretty intense mental health crisis. And I was, uh, and he, and he, he did some things and and made some comments that were pretty alarming and just kind of made me feel like not very safe. And so I was like, you know what, uh, I would never want to ever use a firearm against anyone else but in that situation if if he became violent try to break into my house because there's a couple times when he was uh threatening and it said some threatening stuff and so i just like i would like to have the option to defend myself except you know not with a 28 inch barrel uh, <laughs> ranked in 870 so you know i got a i got uh some like home defense guns i got a glock got an ar you know kind of just a standard uh stuff and, you know, that was a tough time for a lot of Americans, I think, being inside, you know, so much uncertainty and a lot of, you know, political uh, unrest and just, you know, it's a, it's a tough time. So I, uh, and so I, and I think my neighbor was going through that too. And so um, eventually everything was fine and um, he got the help he needed, I think. Uh, uh, he thought I was trying to hack into his computer and uh, a bunch of other crazy stuff. I could go deeper into the story, but <laughs> long story short, that's kind of what got me into you know, more, uh, you know, getting deeper into guns. And so I like took apart my Glock to clean it and I just became really interested in how it works as a machine, how it works as a tool. Right. And so I became really interested in the technical aspect of firearms, started to watch a lot of YouTube videos, like forgotten weapons and, and, you know, just got into all the, the YouTube firearm stuff. And so I, I learned a lot more about firearms. I got really into it. And so, and I found a documentary about this guy in Europe who was, 3D printing guns, where it's super illegal, obviously. Here, it's not illegal federally to make your own gun. Obviously, there's certain you know states that do implement you know restrictions, as I'm sure you're aware, on that stuff. But the majority of states, it's totally legal to 3D print a gun, which a lot of people don't know that that's the case. 
Um, so I was in a state where you could do that, and I uh, decided to. So I watched this documentary about Jay Stark, who's this guy who's designing and testing 3D printing guns in some basement in Europe, and it's super illegal. But his whole, you know, philosophy behind it was providing a means of defense for people who are being, um, you know, who, who don't have the ability to defend themselves. So offering that up to be able to make your own firearm. And the FGC-9 is what he did it with. And it's a completely DIY firearm. And you can basically ECM or EDM, uh, electrical chemical manufacturing, um, your barrel. So you can actually rifle the barrel using electricity and 3D printed parts in a bathtub. Um, yeah, so it's it's pretty, uh, so you can rifle a barrel so it's accurate and you can use it out of bar stock steel and 3D printed parts and like an airsoft fire control group, which are <laughs> actually available in Europe and you can have a functioning firearm. So uh, this wasn't just meant for people in Europe, though. It was for people everywhere fighting you know, authoritarian regimes. Right now we're seeing it in Myanmar. They're actually printing these guns and using them against the uh, military junta in, in, in Myanmar and Burma. So basically I saw this documentary and I was like, oh man, this is super cool. I didn't know you could 3D print a gun. I bought a printer and I started printing and then I've printed a Glock, put it together, and went and shot the Glock for the first time, and I brought my friend to film it. And I didn't think it was going to be, like, a, a thing, like, I'll make a YouTube channel, but I had this footage, and I made a little edit of it, and I, like, put some of my music behind it. And I went and, uh, and put it up on YouTube, and, like, I just said, like, yeah, so I 3D printed a, a Glock 19, and, and, like, after a week, it was, like, 20,000 views. I was like, holy moly, like, people want to see this stuff. So I just uh, kept making the the content here and there and then more and more into the the rabbit hole of all the designs you can make and stuff and so that's what kind of got me into uh making youtube videos about it so the the 3d printing community is pretty it's a cool community there's a ton of files that are passed back and forth i've seen the the competitions have you done any of the 3d printed gun competitions yet i haven't there's been some events that have been just like 3D printed gun get togethers and, and shoots and stuff. Um, it would be cool to do like a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I went to Finnish brutality this year in Finland. So it's like a brutality match, like competition, shooting competition match in Finland. Unfortunately, uh, in order to import the guns into Finland, they have to have serial numbers. So uh, <laughs> I can't bring the 3D printed guns to, to Finnish brutality, but there are brutality matches in the U.S., which I would love to to run the 3D printed guns at. But I have, personally haven't been to like a strictly 3D printed gun competition, but there are a lot of events. I mean, there's a huge community uh, nowadays, especially, and I get like people that message me on you know Instagram and Twitter that say, you know, people that I've like downloaded and printed their files that said, "Oh, I, I started 3D printing guns because of you." Or I started designing and, and learning about you know CAD design, which is not just a skill to use to to 3D you know design 3D guns. It's a skill you can use to you know make a career out of design and engineering and stuff, and using computer aided design to make cool you know projects. So for me, when I hear that, it makes me super happy that I was able to get those people into designing using computers and stuff. So. Yeah, it makes me happy for sure. So you you started doing YouTube and things like that. When did the mask come into play? So the mask came into play basically since the beginning. So I have a background. So I've always been really into filmmaking. I've always really been into music. Those two things have been like a constant in my life since I was really little. I've been playing violin and I had a camcorder in my hands basically since I 
you know, was like six, seven years old. I was making goofy, you know, home movies about, you know, little adventures I would go on. And it was all usually like filming myself, which it really hasn't changed to this day. I, I film all my videos myself. So I go out with a tripod. Sometimes I'll have like maybe 5% of the videos will have like a, a cameraman, but for the most part, it's just me, a tripod and, uh, whatever I'm shooting that day. And, um, so kind of what got me into, uh, into doing the the videos with the mask was I have like a whole other kind of uh, personality character that's without the mask before I got into this whole 3D printed gun YouTube thing. And so what I ended up doing was a lot of people think it's because I'm tr somehow trying to like evade uh, like law enforcement or something. That's not the case. Like, uh, first of all, if the government, unfortunately, if the government <laughs> wants to figure out who you are, they're, they're going to figure it out. Uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, and I... I'm not in any way like uh, like thinking that that's that's why I'm wearing the mask. That's not why I wear the mask. Uh, I just wanted to separate the this project from my pa my past projects, which haven't had the mask. So I've I've created I, I added the mask because obviously it's a little bit of a spicier topic than your even just regular gun YouTubers sometimes are like a little bit shy to even like touch the 3D printing stuff. So obviously there's an element of like. You know, kind of wanted to make a little bit of a mysterious kind of, uh, you know, personality character with it. But it was mainly just to separate it from my other past projects that I've done. Yeah, That's really cool. And one of the things that I think, going back to what you touched on previously, is you built this passion and this entire platform out of wanting to understand your firearm better. And it was understanding the mechanics, getting interested in it, and then saying, hey, you know, I would like to design something. I want to make something. I want to be my my own innovator. And you've inspired other people to do that, too, which is fantastic, because that's ultimately what the Second Amendment is protecting. You know, there we're an industry built off of innovation and that only comes from people being intimately capable of manufacturing their own firearms. And this is, you know, a tradition that is older than our republic. And, you know, GOA and GOF, our sister organization, we fight on the basis of text history and tradition. And when it comes to this concept of manufacturing your own firearms, it's a tradition that predates our country. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't. Uh, forget that sometimes when they're thinking about uh, 3D printed guns as like some kind of scary, crazy thing. And it's just really the technology, like uh, like a lot of people, you know, say it's just like, yeah, the, the technology's changing, but the, the rights don't change regardless of the technology and the traditions don't change. It's just the technology is changing. So it's always been your right to make your own gun. And uh, whether it's with a 3D printer or whether it's with a CNC mill or whether it's with, uh, you know, bending a flat to make an AK receiver or whatever it is. Um, just 3d printing makes it a whole lot easier. <laughs> now, um, now there's a lot of options to make a gun. I mean, there's 80 percenters, there's 3d printing. What made you choose 3d printing over 80 percenters? So, I mean, 80 percenters, I've, I've done plenty of those, too, and, and th those are cool in their own right, for sure. Uh, but the 3D printing as a as a technology and, and the flexibility that you have with 3D printing um, that's fascinating to me is just all of the different designs that people come up with are, like, 
nothing that you could ever get from an eight, a company that does 80% stuff. And that's because 3D printing, you're making a 100% gun, right? You're, you're not having to do, you might have to, to, to clean up some, some holes so that the pins fit in not so tight, but there, this isn't drilling stuff. This isn't taking out a ton of material from the trigger pocket. Like this is, you print it and it's ready to go. And that's convenient, but also just the amount of designs out there. Like I made a, uh, so I, I actually don't design anything that I do. I'm just basically the guy, like if Garantham reviews a gun, but I'm just like reviewing the 3d printed gun that I made. Right. And a lot of people think like, Oh, 3d printing guns, like, uh, they don't have a serial number. Uh, like, isn't that illegal? But no, it's if just like it is with anything else that you make yourself, it is for you and you only. So you make it and it's for yourself. That's for you. That's your gun. And you, I think now don't, you know, I think it might be some states have certain laws around it, but if you want to sell it, you got to have a serial number on it usually. So, uh, but that's what you're doing. You're making it for yourself. And that's what is so cool about the designs out there is that you can really like make it your own. And a lot of people have done that and like added things and tweak things. Whereas you can't do that with an 80% lower. I mean, you could obviously like Cerakote it or, or maybe engrave something on it, but like, this is a totally different thing. Like I did a video, which is like a very silly video, but it's also kind of a little bit of a political statement about how, uh, I, you know, how, uh, like for example, marijuana, right? I know that's a, it's a, it's a touchy topic, but the way that our federal, the federal government treats marijuana as uh, the the schedule of drug that it is, right, and the fact that if you, you know, sign a forty four seventy three and you lie on the forty seventy forty four seventy three, and let's say you have a medical marijuana card in the state you live in, it's completely legal, right? Like for here, for example, here in Nevada, I believe it's legal, right? Yeah. And then you go and you fill out forty four seventy three, and you're technically committing a felony if you're a user of marijuana, right, on that on that form. So uh, there's a gentleman out there who designed a uh, a water pipe of course for tobacco use only that's also a Glock 26 so it's a literal <laughs> pipe that's also a firearm so I mean you have things like that obviously that's not everyone's cup of tea I get that that might make people uncomfortable but it's uh it's that kind of thing you're not going to get a gun you can't buy a, a gun over the shelf that's also a tobacco pipe for tobacco use only of course yeah so that's a, that's a, uh, it's called the glong and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a, also a music video that I put out too. So, so yeah, check that out. So you, you just brought up a, a music video. You do music, you know, you, you had that passion as a kid. What made you continue to do? That? I mean, you've got some hits out there. There's a lot of people in the gun community who've used your videos and your music on top of their reels and their shorts. Yeah, I mean that makes me super excited when people are into the the music that I make. I like like the uh, the HK slap. I made a video about that because I, I had done a three D printed MP five, and so I thought it'd be a great time to to make a video, an homage and a song homage to the the you know iconic HK slap. Obviously, uh, which I heard that it got back to the HK uh, executives. I don't know how much they loved it, but I know that <laughs> everyone else loved it, so that's okay. <laughs> you know, they they got a little. Uh, I don't know what they got up there. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're nether regions at the HK guys, but uh, but yeah, for the most part, uh, people have loved that stuff. And my goal is just ultimately, I think, with just the music and the videos, is like like I said, I try to keep it really lighthearted, really fun. I'd love to get hear stories about people that aren't even into guns, that were don't even own guns, 
they watch my content and like the content and then that that's just like t- taking them one step further towards like maybe being open to you know the the gun culture a little bit and and understanding it a bit more because like i think a lot of people don't understand it a lot of people don't see the fun side of it don't see like the fun side of going out with your friends and having a fun day at the range like it doesn't always have to be always about you know obviously it's about protecting the second amendment ultimately and, and spreading it but it's like people can have fun with guns and be safe and enjoy firearms ownership and 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 part of that is just you know getting people a little bit more warmed up to to the firearms industry and the firearms and just like making your own guns and having it be fun too you know so uh, yeah, so I've put out a couple songs. I got an album coming out this year, so we're gonna put out a bunch more songs, and uh, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of hopefully bangers that people enjoy on there. <laughs> I applaud you because, like you said, you started off being in it with a shotgun that's mostly clay hunting. Uh, there's a certain term for that. What people would call yes, that yes. thing. Yes, but you've really kind of jumped into the firearms community head first and I encourage other people to do it and just like you did I encourage people to pick up a camera and film and talk and have fun I mean there are people who are going to comment but if there's and I've said this previously you know a hundred subscribers it's small to a lot of people but that's a hundred people you've touched and that's a hundred people who may not have been into the gun community who are now coming into the gun community so I applaud you for creating this community and showing people that there's a side to the second amendment where you can build your own gun and have that feel of, you know, and being an engineer and touching it and getting that. And it, and you've inspired a, a ton of people to get into this. Mm, yeah. That, that, and that's always really, really heartwarming and makes me want to keep going is when I hear those stories about people that have started their own YouTube channels because they watched my stuff and liked it or found some inspiration from it. Um, and and I just actually was on the phone with, with uh, I was at a party last night and ran into a guy who was like, oh, my younger brother, like, this is a huge fan. He started, you know, making these, uh, He's he works at SolidWorks now. I won't say who it is, but SolidWorks is a CAD design program and he like works there now and he wasn't doing anything you know, with that until he got into 3D printed guns through watching my YouTube channel. So it's like, he's now got a job at SolidWorks, the CAD design program, and he's doing that stuff. And he like, uh, was telling me that he actually was in California and, uh, legally, which is a lot of people don't know, you can actually legally 3D print a gun in California, but they recently changed the law. I think it was because of this kid, because he submitted five separate, uh, serialized, 3D printed guns to them. So the way that the California laws work, um, to my knowledge, obviously I'm not a lawyer, but there's a requirement that if you're going to make your own gun, it has to be, uh, and it's and if it's a plastic gun, if it's a, a 3D printed gun, you have to embed, a, I think it's 3.5 ounces, a 3.5 ounce piece of steel that is engraved with a serial number inside the gun. And, and they have to do it in such a way that if you remove the piece of steel, it renders the firearm inoperable. <laughs> Just a lot of requirements, obviously, uh, and that's not surprising for California. But I think uh, so. Yeah, he he basically did five of those, and just because he was also, I like that. You know, obviously, my goal would be like get the heck out of California because it's like <laughs> not not great for for guns. But 
he was like determined to to be that dude in California, three D printing guns legally. So I, I applaud him for that. And um, for every person that's doing that legally, I'm sure there are probably quite a few that are not caring about it. But um, you know, unfortunately, obviously we've got some states out there like Washington, California, New Jersey, New York, to name a few. There's a, I mean, Maryland now, I think, you know, that are uh, restricting your right to make your own gun, which is unfortunate. But the thing with 3D printing, though, you know, I hate to break it to you, uh, federal government and uh, state local governments, you know, you can't really stop it. There's no way to stop it. People have 3D printers and they're going to 3D print guns whether you like it or not. So good luck with that. So how is it for you and just to have a tra- channel obviously focused on that 3D printing when the whole second amendment is under attack but that your particular space is probably the most villainized space you know we hear the word ghost gun all of the time we know it's a co-opted word that is you know meant to to instill all of this fear. Scary, scary. Um, yeah. And um, so how, how is it operating in that space? And um, what are the kind of encouragements you see in that fight as it develops? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I sometimes in the past, well, you know, I've, I've thought about it a lot. And sometimes I'm like, damn, it's, I feel like, or darn, it's like, I don't, uh, I have this mask on. It's only like adding to the kind of perception, negative perception of like people, you know, it's scary with no ghosts, you know, with the ghost guns, this guy's wearing a mask. Like, and it's, that is unfortunately a part of the, the YouTube channel that I feel like, um, you know, sometimes I'm like, go back and forth on like, yeah, the mask, it's part of the character, but it's like, it kind of maybe gives a little bit of a negative stigma towards the or continues that, you know, confirms a negative stigma that, that unfortunately 3D printed guns have kind of gotten over the past few years. You know, I think there's been a lot, you know, there's been some edgelords in the, in the 3D printed community that have, you know, that have really just been like giant middle finger to the government. And, um, and, and I, and I get that cause it kind of is, but you know, I think with the 80, we saw it with the 80 percenters, mainly they're talking about 80% guns, but I think more in the you know recent past few years, it's become more and more. They become more and more aware that it's actually a you know a rising, uh, popular form of making your own gun. So it's not just like some kind of niche, and it's still pretty niche, but it's not as niche as it was a few years ago. So it's definitely when I see you know there's a lot of propaganda against ghost guns, and I, well, I guess I'll call it a ghost gun against 3D printed you know privately manufactured firearms, making your own guns. So ghost gun obviously is a very heavily weighted term that's supposed to make it scary. Um, And, you know, we've seen that I've seen, you know, like there's been articles that have come out about my or that have mentioned my YouTube channel. And like I'll notice that when there's attention, uh, negative attention from those, you know, big articles like Sky News did one, Washington Post did one. Like there's been a few that have been mentioned and of course I get like roped into like being some kind of right wing <laughs> extremist, which is not what I am, which is just kind of funny how they just, you know, put you in that category if you're making your own gun, um, which I would say that a lot of people in the 3D printed gun community are like kind of more just uh, politically neutral or just, you know, kind of more just anti-government in general. But there's all sorts of people from all sorts of spectrums in that community, just like this is with the gun community, right? So. 
you know, I think that the perception of 3D printed guns, my goal is to try to change it a little bit, even though I am a guy in a mask that's got my identity somewhat, uh, you know, secret and whatnot, or, or just protected, I guess. I, my goal is to just make that perception a little bit less scary, as, as that might seem contradictory to kind of just the way I present myself. But if you watch my channel, not just see little, you know, snippets of it, you'll know that I try to have pretty, a lot of like pretty lighthearted fun, you know, and, and with the songs and with the videos. And, and unfortunately, YouTube has cracked down on me quite a few times. Luckily, recently, you know, knock on wood, I'll be, uh, hopefully I, will, I won't get struck down tomorrow, but I've gotten like a few strikes on my channel over a period of time. I've been on two strikes before, which is like one strike away from YouTube removing your entire channel. And YouTube has made it very clear in their terms of service that they, you know, you can't instruction, you can't, inst you know, instruct people how to make a firearm. You can't teach people how to make a firearm on YouTube, which, you know, I th totally think is, is, Bull, bull crap, but I have to follow those rules, and I have been very careful about never including, never since the beginning of my channel, including instructions or anything on how to do it or where to get the files. Fortunately, that's not allowed, right? So I have to play by their their rules if I want to be on YouTube, which is like the biggest platform for video consumption, you know, from like people are just creators. So, so I've had to do that, and you know, despite that, YouTube has cracked down on me quite a bit. But I'm kind of in this point where. Things are getting a little bit better, but we've seen quite a bit of censorship, particularly around 3D printed guns, because it's just people don't understand them. You know, people oftentimes will be talking about how a gun works, which is like what Ian does in Forgotten Weapons, right? Or Grand Thumb talking about, you know, what's the difference between direct impingement and um, gas piston system, for example. And then he'll be talking about how the gases, you know, bring the bolt back and what the, the what delayed blowback is and things like that. And I'll be talking about that, but it'll be about a 3D printed gun. And I'll say, well, well, this is how they managed to do the delayed blowback inside this 3D printed upper receiver. And so me talking about that often gets perception, you know, the perception of it is that I'm explaining how it's how to make it when I'm just explaining this is the engineering behind this mechanism. Right. So I have to be super careful. And I've actually had to stop even using the word 3D printing on my channel. So I don't actually use the word 3D printing. I call it uh, either 3D squirting or just squirt it. So, <laughs> so we talk about squirting, which is always fun. <laughs> So with this perception of 3D printed guns from, you know, the left and, and other people, how has the reception been from, I mean, you're, you're in, on YouTube and you're in the firearm space. How's the perception and the, the reception been from firearms companies who've come to talk to you? Because some I don't know if there's any negative connotation they have against you or have they asked you for input or anything? Uh, well, I mean, there's a, I mean, a lot of companies... They just like my channel, watching my channel, just because it's fun for them. Um, they like the, the reviews of, of guns that I've done. Like, I've done plenty of reviews on non-3D printed guns because I find that really fun, too. Or just if it's, like, a, a different concept, like Mean Arms, for example. Uh, they just came out with a bearing delay blowback uh, AR uh, upper, which is super neat and cool and different. And so, like, I like really innovative, cool designs, partially because, like, that's kind of what got me into guns is, like, how they work. And so it's, I find it really fascinating when there's something new and, and different, you know, or something that's slightly different than what's the norm. So I've had a lot of companies reach out that just enjoy my content, want me to do, you know, some some stuff with what, they, uh, what they're making. So that's kind of cool. But they, a lot of them are, uh, I think, are intrigued by 
by 3D printing too. And just like the, a lot of them do, you know, a ton of 3D printing because they prototype stuff. So, I mean, that's a huge part of the firearms, you know, community and in, in, in general and in, in companies is they use 3D printing, uh, whether it's, you know, FDM or MJF 3D printing, or even like, for example, you know, SIG of all people, like they make titanium 3D printed silencers. So, uh, and a bunch of other companies do that too. Cause it's like, you can actually utilize, um, without, you know, subtractive like machining, you can do a ton of stuff with additive manufacturing what you can't with uh, taking material away. So, uh, yeah, there's all these companies I've been using 3D printing for years, actually, but it's just now kind of more accessible and in the consumer's hands a bit more. And we're seeing a ton of ton of innovation in, in, in 3D printed suppressors as well uh, from the consumers or from like the just enthusiast hobbyist side, um, obviously form one legally. But yeah. <laughs> Do you think that any companies would come out with 3D printed lowers and guns? That's interesting. Well, I think, you know, Mean Arms, for example, they've been in, in the injection molding industry for a long time, for like 50 years. Their family's been doing it. And they just came out with a just an injection molded lower receiver, which is nothing new. But their approach to it was to put a uh, aluminum section on the buffer tower, which is where the, the, the print and the printing side of things, that usually fails. That's usually where it fails. So... My buddy Hoffman Tactical has designed a 3D printed AR fire uh, air lower that utilizes a hose clamp, and it actually clamps the top section of the buffer tower. And it clamps it together around the buffer tower so that it goes around the buffer tube, and it keeps it really stiff, really secure. And he's got these uh, ribs that support it. So there's companies like are doing injection molding and doing the same kind of thing of like reinforcing certain areas and it's like all kind of similar in ways like, but just different approaches and i think with 3d printing like we've seen companies prototype like psa for example a lot of their stuff is mjf 3d printed like the mp7 thing that they put out this year which is super cool and the hotness and everything which i think is awesome that's the 3d printed part it's just not fdm 3d printing it's mjf so it's like multi-jet fusion versus uh, fdm printing so it's a little bit of a different process, but all these you know companies, a lot of them use use it to prototype. Whether or not they'll use it as like a final design, that's you know usually they'll go with like a you know an injection molding because they're going to do a ton of the, the the parts, and so it makes more sense to do it um, not three D printed. But we've seen a lot of companies putting out parts like grips and grip panels and things like that that are three D printed, but they're just not uh, they're just done in a little bit more durable way yeah with goa we we worry about the the legislative process and we're very intimately involved in that as well as the um litigation and, and we've sued many times about um the 80 percent and we and we want to to see that community continue to to thrive um in addition depending upon when this airs the funding for the undetectable firearms act is supposed to um expire March 8th, um, GOA is about to send or has sent a letter um, with a whole bunch of co-signers urging Congress to do the right thing and not um, refund the Undetectable Firearms Act from the 3D printed community. How does that feel for you guys? Because I often feel like you guys are viewed as on an island of your own. Yeah, I mean, we're always viewed as, as extremists because I guess it's like the most, I mean, it's almost, yeah, it's like the most kind of, more. I, I don't like using the word extreme, but it's like the, it's making your own gun is like definitely 
more metal than anything else in the gun industry <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and so I'm to use a fun funny pun because the undetectable undetectable firearms act is all about like whether it has metal in it or not, you know, and like like people are worried about stuff going through metal detectors and not being detected, which I think is kind of funny because like what is a bullet made out of? <laughs> <laughs> what are the casings made out of? Like if you go through the scanner at an airport like and you have like a keychain that's shaped like a bullet like or even anything close to it you're gonna get you know <laughs> patted down and searched or whatever or you're gonna you're gonna get pulled aside so there was this whole panic i remember in the well i don't remember because i wasn't alive but you know doing research on it in the 80s when glocks came out and it was like the polymer for, you know frame of a handgun was like a new thing and people had this whole freak out about oh it's gonna get through metal detectors it's undetectable you know which is not the case because we all know that yeah, a, a frame of a Glock without any of the internal rails that are you know epoxied or glued in there, yes, that could get through a metal detector, but how are you going to shoot anything with that? You're not. <laughs> you could throw it at someone and maybe give them a, a little ouchie, but not, <laughs> not going to get... But even a completed frame is going to have the trigger, you know, the disconnector, all that stuff, like the, the striker, all that stuff is going to be in the gun and it's going to set off its metal. So, uh, it's a lot of panic about, you know, I think it's, it's like we've seen before, it's just a scary guns, undetectable. You were use the word untraceable and it's like, what is really untraceable when it comes down to it? I mean, like I get that the whole, I get the whole thing where yes, it's, I guess you can help trace a gun after a crime's happened with a serial number, like figuring out where it came from. But ultimately the, the deed was done on usually in in some kind of messed up circumstance where the police have recovered a gun for some reason, right? Um, and some crime has happened. The crime still happened, sadly, but it still happened. And I think more effort needs to be put into preventing that stuff rather than okay, let's do a whole audit on the FFL that sold it three years ago that then you know someone straw purchased it or whatever it went you know how that works, but. Uh, you know, I think that there's just a, a lot of fear and a lot of fear propaganda going into un untraceable guns, you know. And it's like with good police work, usually you can, um, you know, either figure out where it came from or figure out how to prevent it from happening again. So uh, that's my take on it. I, I don't know exactly all of the specifics of the actual act, so I can't really comment too much about it. But I know that it has to do with like certain metal parts being in a certain part of the firearm or whatever. And, uh, you know, I think the Liberator was the first 3D printed gun and actually doesn't really use any metal parts other than the ammo. So, yes, a gun uh, can get through, a, a, you know, a 3D printed gun, completely 3D printed, that can maybe shoot one shot, maybe could get through a metal detector, but you still need the ammo. So I think that's uh, something that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. Well, it just shows you how much some of these politicians don't understand how guns work. Yeah. I mean, before you start regulating something, you should probably know <laughs> how it works. I mean, let's talk about the congresswoman who said that an AR-15 weighs as much as 50 shipping boxes. <laughs> like, come on. Or I 100 mean, rounds in the chamber. Or 100 rounds in the chamber. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, if there's a gun with 100 rounds in the chamber, I will take that. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's, it sounds like a pretty innovative product to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 30 round clip in half a second, as they say yeah. in California. It's just, it's just 
it blows my mind that the the people who want to come after firearms know nothing about it, are uneducated about it. You know, I encourage people to, uh, well, I shouldn't encourage people to do this, but I'm going to encourage people to blow up these people's inboxes with actual information because if you teach them, they may see the light. Yeah, or at least have a better uh, way to, you know, approach it if they're, you know, doing trying to decide laws around it, being fully informed about it would be like the best, you know, request that anyone could give is just like, and the best homework you could do if you're talking about something that you want to change, um, you know, whether you hate them or not, having the research to back it up, to understand them and to really get an idea of what they're like and, and what the community is like, obviously, I mean, that's maybe asking a little too much, but I mean, it'd be great if people could could give it a little bit more, just a little bit more effort into into understanding it, because that's what I would hope for all politicians, and not just issues like guns, but everything really. And we don't have to get into specifics, but it would be great if, if people from both sides were able to really learn about the other side, even if they absolutely oppose whatever it is, learn about it, and then make an informed decision instead of having all of these preconceived notions and fear about what the other side thinks. So, well, ignorance is a curable disease. Yeah. And so much of our society and so much of politics is perpetuating ignorance when it comes to, you know, all of the misnomers and and the misunderstandings about firearms specifically because, you know, they're trying to shape a narrative. And that's why we see terms like ghost guns get used in the first place or even red flag laws or assault weapons. Like all of these are just remanufactured language to instill a narrative that just isn't accurate. Yeah, completely. And yeah, we see a lot of that. And it would be yeah, it would be great if that stuff went away, but unfortunately, you know, I think the 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 other side is is going to continue to try to use fear to to scare people and and use unfortunately use tragic uh, events to to further their narrative and it would be great if they could take a step back and maybe look at, okay, well, why are these things happening? Why are these events happening? What could we do other than trying to ban guns, which will never work in this country, to prevent some of these, you know, horrible events from happening, you know? And I think the the Second Amendment for, for everyone, you know, I think a lot of people kind of don't understand maybe what it's about, I think, ultimately. And you know, it's about fighting tyrannical government. And ultimately it came out, you know, I mean, that is kind of what it's based in, to be able to, if that was, you know, needed in in this country, not saying it is like in terms of, you know, any kind of, I don't want any kind of a conflict, you know, within our country, because that'd be horrible, but it is that reserving that right to bear arms and fight tyranny. So that's ultimately what it's about. And it also, you know, encompasses self-defense and all of these other things and hunting and all that stuff, which is great. But, you know, ultimately that's what it's about. And, um, and you know, the the rifles that we fought the British with were assault weapons at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I get this, the, the, why they use that term, but it's also like, yeah, I should be able to own military rifles. Like that's, that's uh, what it's about. <laughs> yeah. We all want more freedom and we want to spread freedom. And this is the first time of this episode, but hashtag repeal the NFA. Uh, yes. You know, so it's backwards. that's the thing. The, the thing that you brought up that really is kind of like sticking with me right now is that we have 
I, I remember growing up, this wasn't an issue, but we have this issue now where we can't have a conversation. We yeah. can't talk. It's yeah. always about who's the loudest at the end or who's got the biggest, you know, voice. And yeah. we need to get back of having that conversation and going, you don't agree with me. I don't agree with you. But at the end of the day, we're still friends and we're not getting that anymore. And I don't know why, but we need to come back to, hey, we may disagree on certain topics, but we, at the end of the day, we're still friends and that shouldn't, you know, hurt our friendship in the long run. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I was out today with a bunch of friends shooting, uh, in the, the middle of the desert. Uh, I had a friend of, with an SOT came by, we shot a bunch of machine guns and it was with a bunch of different people from all sorts of political, you know, spectrums, all sorts of people. And we're all getting along, having fun, shooting guns, whether, you know, some of us have completely opposite political beliefs. And I think more of that is needed in this country. And I think when we get to, you know, listen to our, our brothers, our sisters, and, and even if we don't agree with them, being able to listen to that and, and not just, just hearing, hearing them out and, and hearing what they have to say, even if we disagree with it, I think more of that is better for this country. And I think we are in a, a place right now where we're, you know, there's a lot, a huge divide, a huge divide and stuff like, you know, online discourse is sometimes very toxic. A lot of times very toxic to the, the progression of, of that in a positive direction in terms of our relationships with, with each other. And, and so I think that stuff is hugely important to try to improve on, you know, and I, and I wish that I could say that I think it's going to get better, but you know, I, I, I'm hoping that it does. And that's one of my goals too in the channel is just to kind of get people together too. And, and even if you hate guns, and you like my channel, like that's a step in the right direction, you know? Um, so I want to try to bring people from outside in and particularly get younger people involved too. Cause I think the younger generation will, will bring us into a, a better place. Hopefully. Hey, I applaud you for what you just said. I really respect that. I want to, again, we're, we've hit our time. Little, unfortunately, this has been a great conversation. Thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. If you don't mind, go ahead and plug away on whatever you want to plug and, We'll wrap this up. Will do. Well, yeah, I want to thank Gun Owners of America and you both for having me. It's been a great time. Thanks for, for your time. Uh, I am Print Shoot Repeat. I am PSR, just PSR on YouTube. That's my biggest place to find me. You can find me on Instagram at Print Shoot Repeat and on Twitter at Printing Guns. And uh, that's what I do. So thanks for watching the podcast. Thank you again for having me. We appreciate you again. Guys, thanks for watching. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Hit the little bell for notifications. Leave a five-star review on all podcasting apps, and have a great day.